This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who today was more like red-eye Jen. Not because she'd been drinking, but because she'd been enjoying a red-eye. Yeah, today was one of those days where you pull up next driveway and go, ooh, please take the red key one. (laughs) We have a a Dodge Charger Hellcat Red Eye. Yeah, but then Uh, you also had the Civic Type R. Special edition. Yes. Of which there are only 600 in the United States, and I think 30 in Canada, 8 in Australia, and 1 in some obscure country, I Mm -hmm. believe. Uh, I can't remember where the 1 is. But um, sorry, Australia. I know you listen. You probably only have eight. Sad. Um, You have to, I I think I saw a a statistic that if you earn, you're likely to earn over $100,000 to buy a Honda Civic Type R Special Edition. Or just a Honda Civic Type R. Hmm. Not even the Special Edition. Which is quite interesting to me for the people that buy them. Uh, it was very interesting. Anyway, both fabulous cars, mm-hmm. both amazing drives. I do feel a little bit when you hear the superchargers spin up in the red eye, <gasps> it does sound a little bit like a police car. I love that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I can play police you gotta, cars. You got to tell them about what happened at Starbucks. Yeah. This is so hilarious. Um, but Cameron's really nice. Or Cam, as he likes to be called. Yeah, okay, but. Definitely um, a younger generation. <laughs> Cam, Cam was like, what is that? It's really loud in an American accent. And um, I had to turn it off because he, he was trying to be nice about it. But he was like, big, loud muscle car in Starbucks. <laughs> oh, come on now. Now you're just being cruel. He's no, I loved it. I loved He's definitely it. a Generation Z. <laughs> but he's a lovely young man. Yeah. And he just doesn't get it. Uh-uh. But he's a very lovely young man. But he just doesn't get that. that. That's good. He doesn't know. get the muscle car generation. I know, right? He's a really nice guy. Yeah. I like him very much, but he just doesn't get it. He also wears shorts, even if it's snowing. So there you go. <laughs> he's that generation. Anyways. Rob, do you know what we're talking about? Wear shorts, even when it's snowing. That kind of kid. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway. Um, huge things going on today. Got a packed show. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the uh, Hellcat Red Eye. We're going to have uh, we're going to have Matt uh, McCle- uh What's his last name? McClear. McClear. McClair. 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 He's Scottish the name. Head of Dodge Brand Sales. Sales. Yeah, he's Operations. the selling guy. He yeah. uh, he's probably when can you imagine when he gets around the table with his college buddies? What do you do? I'm a roofer. What do you do? I've got my own building company. Yeah, I'm head of Dodge brand sales. Sexy car. Sales. Operations. Yeah, operations. You got to add that com. in there. Yeah. yeah. Come on then. What are you doing? 
yeah, he's yeah. probably like at a class reunion. He's probably like got the coolest job, and then he rolls up with like a a Hellcat. Yeah, a Hellcat. Yeah. He's probably got the coolest mm. job. In um, Jim Edwards is going to talk about the EQS. This is Mercedes S-Class all electric, basically. If you're not sure what the EQS is, and it its technology, mouth dropping, uh, very amazing. Uh, Brian Cotter going to join us uh, also from Mercedes AMG to talk to us uh, about the E53, the coupe uh, version, which mm -hmm. is, um, I would say, amazing, too. Um, definitely a very sexy car, which I got to drive. Like that a lot. Um, Mercedes <laughs> have been doing a lot of very cool cars recently. Uh, have you seen this new uh, truck which Hyundai rolled out in Santa Cruz? Yes. So it's interesting. They don't <laughs> want you to call it a truck. It's a sport activity vehicle, I think you call it, SPV. Sure. No, it's not a truck. Call I know. It, call it a truck. They will send the Hyundai police after you. <laughs> it does have a bed on the back, but it's not a truck. We'll, ask Trevor, we'll ask Trevor how they track people down and arrest them if they call it a truck. Uh, we're going to talk all about that. It's coming later this year. The first not truck with a bed from Hyundai. <laughs> Um, and we're also going to talk about the Mazda CX-9. Uh, uh, Rocky Bone is going to join us from Olympia Mazda up there in Washington. Uh, we're going to talk to Anton Wallman about uh, some crazy stuff that's going with Elon Musk. He sent a tweet out a couple nights ago that we were all scratching our heads about. <laughs> and then... Um, when don't you scratch your head when you talk yeah, about he, Elon? He basically said it was really hard to get autonomous driving to work because human beings have eyes. <laughs> I mean, that's how I translated his tweet. It was a little more complicated than that, but, and I was like, oh, wh when did that, when did that happen? It was really strange. I don't understand. No, me neither. <clears throat> um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about news. Some guys have been, you know, the Apple uh, introduced their AirTag, which was this little key ring. It's it basically find my phone, find your phone on Apple. You know how that works. Sure. No, I don't use Apple. Well, so Apple have this find my phone thing. Well, so does Android. So, yeah, but when you lose your phone, it can locate it in seconds. So if I lose them, on, I can ask my watch where my phone is, mm -hmm. and it will tell me. It'll ring the phone, or it'll do it. Just ask my watch. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, it finds it in seconds, and it's, it pinpoints it to the nearest inch. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's very cool. Okay. So and a Apple do that. I really like it. Um, now they've come up with a device that does the same thing. And the device is just this little round puck. And you does it look like the tiles? It, it's, very, it's smaller than the tiles, okay. but it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. But it does it through your phone. You don't have to pair it. You don't have to do anything. And it does it anywhere. Cool. So if you so lose your phone, then you're in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. No, but you can do I it know, through I've online, gotcha. too. So now people have been attaching mm -hmm. them to their dogs because they go on the dog collars. Tile does the same thing. Right, but you don't have to attach it. It does it from your phone. And it does it from anything. And it's way smaller than tile. Okay. It's, it's tiny. Okay. And it does it with any of the Apple devices automatically. You don't have to pair them, and it does it with any device. Um, where Tile, you have to sync it to one device or one account. This mm -hmm. does it with anyone, right? Hmm. And so it's, it's very clever, um, as long as you know how to get into the, 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 the system. It's very clever, um, and people have been putting them in their cars to, ah. find out, to find out where their car is. I'm thinking ah. they should do that for their children. Well, you can. People have been hiding them in the kids' backpacks. That's a great idea. Where's my kid? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> put it in your husband's or wife's lunchbox. Where are they? Okay, I'm not uh, going there. Oh, ooh, <laughs> cheeky. But I'm not it, cheeky. But you know what? Put them in your car, and if your car gets stolen, where's you know my car? Yep. Hide, it in the, hide it between the seats somewhere. Put it under the seat. 
Yeah. They're twenty nine dollars. Clever. You could buy a pack for like I think a pack of four for like a hundred or something dollars. The ultimate spying device. Yeah. By Apple. Boop, 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 boop. I think that's clever. All right. So those are um, all right. Some some news that started to break uh, a couple days ago. What? I want to talk about the Type R. Oh, well, in a second. Hang on a second. Mm -hmm. Some news that started to break a couple days ago, um, which is big news. So we all know that everyone's coming out with electric trucks. It sounds like the Ford F-150 electric is going to be called the Lightning. Well, this story has been breaking over the last few days. Uh, the Lightning, and uh, there's pictures uh, of it online now of the front grille that's going to have a square light. What do you think? I a half a square light. What do you call that a square light? What do you call it? Uh, if, you, if you would take um, it, an it's oblong. Yeah, it's a shape, rectangle a rec shape. Yeah, it's so a rectangle with, with one side missing. Yes. A rectangle with one side missing and two dots. It looks a little bit like a Bronco front end um, to it me. It does. But uh, the light goes all the way around the edge. And they say it's going to be called the Lightning. And it's going to be a 2023 model. It'll be on the market next year. I wonder if they're going to do a contract deal with ACDC. Oh, man. Ride the lightning. Yeah, ride the lightning. <laughs> or is that, right. no, I'm sorry, Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> See, only you would know the... I know. Only you would know the name of the bands. Okay. The, band, the, the rock bands. Yes. Um, there are, as we said, there are only this special lightweight feature in this uh, 2021 Honda Civic Type R limited edition ultimate track focused vehicle. They've taken a lot of stuff out of this vehicle to make it very light. It's a special lightweight feature, including forged wheels, reduced sound deadening, so it's very loud, but it's light, so it goes faster. Um, exclusive Phoenix yellow color. There are only 600 units coming to the US with unique number. Yeah, did on you each look at them. your number? I didn't. Oh. I should go do that. Would be the first I thing haven't I driven do. it that much. When you have a Hellcat in the and Hellcat Red Eye in the driveway, it's the ultimate street legal, <laughs> track focused <laughs> variant know. of Honda's legendary Civic Type R. It's uh, arriving in the U.S. shores as we speak. Uh, it's going to be lighter, faster, and even more ferocious uh, than the 2021 limited edition. It'll feature uh, 2020 model year style updates, but enhancements in the design and ultimate street legal type R track machine, basically. Uh, if you are one of the lucky people, I think they they have a few people that backed out of buying this um, because of COVID. Uh, it has those lightweight forged aluminum wheels, uh, further lightweight reductions of approximately 28 pounds accomplished by uh, reducing the sound deadening um, and things like the rear wiper blades have been taken off, uh, the tonneau cover for the the rear air heating ducts have been taken out, special tuning dampeners. Uh, they've done a lot of stuff like uh, recalibrating the steering for maximum control. Um, I have yet to get it out and do some crazy stuff. They had to enhance the brakes and the safety. I probably, it's 306 horsepower. Uh, I probably should have taken, and a two liter engine, taken Jen out in that to try and make her throw up. I didn't make you throw up in the- uh, No, you I tried. Didn't. I didn't really try. Mm, okay. I was, I was pretty nice. Mm. You didn't even heave or hold the seatbelt. I'm just happy you didn't use launch mode. Well, that would have been a really inappropriate on the way to the station. Well. Out of the Starbucks parking lot, can you imagine the <laughs> dirty, dirty looks I would have got from Cameron? I love launch mode Cam. when you're in the driver's seat, not when you're in the passenger seat. No, it's like 99% of other Americans, don't you? Everybody wants to be in Everybody the Everybody has seat. to experience launch mode. Uh, they do? Yes. All right. If you get the opportunity, go for it. Launch mode. On a track 
safely. With the seatbelt. Unlike belt. Jen, who wants to do it in the Starbucks drive-thru. <laughs> Be safe. Here we go. More Our Auto Expert on the way. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, we mentioned this at the top of the show a little bit, uh, driving in the brand new 2021 Dodge Charger Hellcat Red Eye. And... Uh, just such a scream and a wail. Uh, but Matt McClear joining us on the phone. He is the head of Dodge Brand Sales Operations. Uh, when you have your class reunions, Matt, are you the coolest guy at the table? It all depends on what I show up in, but it's uh, not hard to be when you have a, a Charger Red Eye and some of the crazy colors that we make. Yes. Well, colors... Uh, I noticed that I was driving uh, something the other day that had a color called Snazberry, I think it was, something like that. It was, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, who names the colors, by the way, of your vehicles? Is it, is it a competition or is it just come out of design? You know, it's a competition. Sometimes uh, it's instant. Somebody's already coined it from the design studio. And other times it is a, uh, just a group of us on the brand. Everybody kind of over email, submit a bunch of ideas, and we brainstorm together and come up with them. Uh, I think that's how uh, Hell Raisin came about. I think actually the PR team came up with that one. So it is definitely a collaborative group effort. Uh, what's your What's your favorite? Are you allowed to have a favorite child in the Dodge brand? You know, we have a Durango in the driveway, and, uh, you know, we call it the Charger of SUVs. Uh, it's such a multi-purpose vehicle, but the first vehicle I worked on when I uh, joined the, the brand team was the Charger, and you know, it was a part of bringing the Scat Pack to life and some of the great uh, buzz models we've had throughout the years. So there's definitely a soft spot in my heart for Charger, and as you said, the, the Hellcat Red Eye Widebody is absolutely a blast to drive. I think uh, the Durango has always impressed me. The two things about the Durango, I mean, we know that Dodge is always, you can get super fast, high horsepower versions of the vehicles, but the Durango has always impressed me because it has, it had, it really was the first brand to really have the flip up screens in the back and then USB ports in the front chairs for the back seat passengers. Those were always the coolest things to me. Little things please me, just little things. <laughs> they were always the fun things. Absolutely. And even the center console in the second row for uh, the kids to hide their stuff in. And it, it's just such a multi-purpose vehicle. So new for 2021, the Dodge Charger SRT Hellcat Red Eye. It, by the way, that's probably going to win a prize for one of the longest names of any car. It, uh, it's, li it's, it's really, I would say, one of the uh, fastest production it is the fastest or the most powerful production car isn't it that's that's ever been made for a four-door sedan uh, mass produced yes uh, zero to 60 in 3.6 seconds 797 horsepower and room for five adults uh, it doesn't get any better yeah um why it's it's got a lot of bits on there from from the demon i mean there seems to be a lot of trickle down um technology from the demon making it into this car doesn't there yeah, I mean, the power chiller is one example of that. But when the Demon came out, Tim was uh, you know, famous for saying, we're never going to do it again. And you know, this was a one-and-done car. But the technology and all the time and effort that went into developing that, some of the uh, 
performance characteristics have definitely tripled, trickled down even into the Challenger Superstock. Uh, but our customers keep asking for more, and we want to keep delivering and giving them uh, everything we can while we can. It's in- mean, this, this ride, we, as we know, won't go on forever, so we might as well have fun while we can. Right. I was just about to say that. It's interesting. It's such a push towards electric, and we know gas prices are going up, and we know electric's being pushed really hard, and they're talking about continuing the federal tax credit for electric vehicles, yet, uh, you know, Dodge is having one of the best times of its 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 life in the recent last 20 years. You're selling pretty much more cars than you've ever sold before, um, and, and some of your... Uh, vehicles are just seeing record after record broken, and people are just hunkering after some of these new vehicles. Uh, you know, you wouldn't even think electric existed, would you, when you see the frenzy that's going on after the Dodge brand? No, I think, it, you know, we liken it to the bachelor party. It's your last uh, big night of fun before it all comes to an end. And, and I'm personally excited about the future of electrification. I think it's only going to get better, and it's going to bring a new uh, type of muscle car to market. But uh, there is nothing like the sound of a, a Hemi, a supercharged Hemi V8, and all the fun you can have behind the wheel. And I mean, I jumped on the highway this morning, and uh, an F8 green Scat Pack and a Mustang GT came down the on-ramp, and just, I mean, you heard them coming, and it was nothing, just put a smile on your face. Yeah, I think probably in the future, when these cars aren't available to purchase anymore, they will be expensive collector's items, right? Absolutely. I think they will. I think a lot of these will be the barn finds of the, uh, like the 68 Chargers are now, uh, decades from uh, today, which will be exciting to see. And some of these, like you said, these cool colors. The next barn find will come up in 50 years and somebody else say, was that Cinnamon Stick or Hell Raisin or Indigo Blue? Um, but I mean, nobody else, I think, you know, we've distilled the Dodge brand down to these three core nameplates. And they're all, they all come with a, a Hellcat engine between Charger, Challenger, and Durango. And this is the year that we've been working for for a long time to create this brand and it's been a long time in the making uh started back in 15 when we uh, the mcas and the, the redesigns for charger and challenger and it's been a fun ride and uh a lot of fun being a part of the success yeah maybe i need to buy one right now what what's it going to cost me to get into uh, into this red eye the red eye uh, starts msrp just under eighty one thousand dollars. so uh you know dollar per horsepower i'd say it's a, a bargain if i'm allowed to yeah yeah no, I, I think it's a win. If you, uh, I, I think when we do the math, it's actually the uh, the least expensive vehicle per horsepower uh, out there on the market. Hey, Matt, I'm I'm jealous that you get to rotate through all these cars far more often than I do, um, and you have so much fun with them. And they are uh, a definitely an icon of American horsepower and American muscle. And the crazy thing is, when the era of American muscle seems to have long been extinguished, you still hold the really the only flame left. Um, with such amazing American muscle cars. The, the Dodge uh, SRT, Charger, um, Hellcat.com, thousand names between that and Red Eye <laughs> is one of the most amazing cars out there. I enjoy every minute of it, um, and I enjoy driving it up and down the freeway or, or through the, the turns and just letting the back wheels slide all the time. And I did that this morning as I came out the driveway, mm-hmm. and my neighbors probably aren't talking to me now, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Jen wanted me to do burnouts in the in the Starbucks drive through but I didn't. Yeah, Matt, I tried. <laughs> Matt, thanks for joining us. There is more Our Auto Expert on the way. Um, stand by. Here it comes. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast.
Well, welcome back to Our Auto Expert. I'm Nick Miles. Uh, this is, of course, the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to communicate with us, just start a conversation. All you have to do is ask us a car question. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. Now, I was lucky enough to get a sneak peek before it was revealed to the world of the Mercedes EQS. Um, and this is Mercedes' first purpose-built electric vehicle. Um, it's part of the S-Class family, and to tell us more about it, Jim Edwards joined us. He joins us. He is Mercedes-Benz uh, product manager for the EQS, or I guess he's Mercedes EQS product manager, or EQ manager for, uh, for Mercedes. It's uh, quite a complicated way of naming it now, Jim, isn't it? Because uh, Mercedes EQ uh, produces the EQS uh, versus Mercedes AMG and Mercedes Benz. So there's sort of three, uh, three fingers of the trident um, now. I have to get it right, which, which part of the company produces what? Um, because this is the first electric vehicle that was purpose-built from the ground up, and now you have the EQB that was shown at the Shanghai Auto Show. But this is sort of the leader of the pack, because everything filters down from the S-Class at the beginning. So this is the first vehicle that is going to sort of show off what Mercedes can do with electrification. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me on again, Nick. Um, great to talk to you guys again about Mercedes EQ. It's... Um, it's amazing with this vehicle that you managed to pack so many firsts into one vehicle. And of course, the S-Class has always done that in history. It's sort of where trickle-down technology comes into the Mercedes lineup. But it, there's so many things that I have never seen before. The hyperscreen, the automatic doors, uh, you, just so much on this vehicle. Um, is it like you stockpiled all the technology and then sort of splitted it out at once in one vehicle? Because I was just trying to write it down at once, and it's like, you know, Mercedes have been stockpiling technology for years and then sort of suddenly all let it go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is pretty incredible how many really interesting and innovative new inventions we were able to showcase on the EQS. Um, I mean, hyperscreen, incredible in person those power doors that we got to experience together at that secret facility in California were, uh, were really awesome. Um, I mean, we really packed a lot of really great new features that I think our customers are going to absolutely love when they get a chance to take one home one day. It's a little bit disorienting or disorientating when, you, when you're with the car for the first time because mm -hmm. things you're used to things happening in a car or being in a certain place. You're used to having sensory things done a certain way. And things don't work like that. Uh, you know, your senses are changed. Suddenly, your visual space is changed um, because your visual space is increased with the hyperscreen. The windshield is changed because you're suddenly getting navigation information projected onto the windshield, including, including um, for instance, you know, the windshield becomes part of the navigation because it tells you what lane you should be in. It's projected onto the windshield and it, you know, it has you move with that 3D augmented navigation. Um, you know, if you touch something in the car, a door will close, that type of thing. It's, it's sort of very disorienting because it, you, you, things are moving in different ways and the car kind of intuitively knows. It's almost like having somebody there, like a parent who is like, 
tucking you in at night you know you get in and you put your foot on the on the brake and the door's like oh he's ready to go i'm going to close myself and it does it automatically it's like whoa what just happened you know but it's instinctual <laughs> yeah i mean it's it kind of feels like the car's got your back yeah. um it it anticipates what you already need and tries to get it at the forefront for you so for your example of the augmented reality head up display that we have it's also all about making sure you keep your eyes on the road. So it's pro providing the information you need to, you know, make those turns on with navigation to be in the right lane to take the exit you have to off the highway without having to move your head around and see anything on the screen. It's all just projected right in front of you. So it's all about adding the convenience um, to make sure that you're having a safer driving experience. Yeah, I think how many times have I been, especially in L.A., on the freeway, and you're not quite sure if you're supposed to be in the far right lane or the one from right lane. And if it's this exit or the next exit, which is like 200 yards down, and it'll let you or know if you're, yeah, yeah you're, it'll let you know if you're in the right lane or not. It'll go red and it'll move you over one lane because you're not in the right lane. And the other thing I think is really interesting is, and Jen is just the best way to explain this is, if you were driving, we were both sharing the same car and you're driving it today and I was driving it yesterday and you mm. call your mom at 4.30 every day, there would be an icon on your on the screen for you to press at 4.30 to call your mom. See, but if I'm in the car, it wouldn't come up because it knows I'm driving and you, I don't call your mom at 4.30. But if you're in the car, it knows that you're in the car and it will pop up at 4.30. So basically you're telling me that my the, the new... EQS is going to be my best friend, and I don't need people anymore like you to yeah. hang out with. Okay, uh, yeah. cool. I'm excited. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's just my head spins when I just well, start to think about it. Yeah, I'm watching the videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's. It, it, I. My head starts to like. I start to almost, you know, get sweaty trying to get my head around it. And then the other thing I think that a lot of people don't really realize with it is, is the proportions are so different from a regular car. Um, you, you just can't understand how different they are because there isn't the, the mechanical things that you would expect in a car. Like you open that trunk and it's so big because there's not all the mechanical stuff there. Hmm. You know, I, I was just so it was so bizarre getting into the vehicle and seeing how much space there was from a regular S class because you don't have all those things like the big center tunnel and, and all the engine and all those sort of things. I mean, th there's motors there, but because it's electric, things are so compressed, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the advantages of the design of the car really provides that um, incredible high levels of interior space that you would expect from a car on an S-Class segment. Um, you want a really large trunk to be able to put your golf bags in or to run your, you know, Home Depot run. Um, you expect lots of interior comfort space in both the front and the back when you're looking at S-Class uh, size cars. And that massive one-bow design with combined with the kind of cab forward approach really emphasizes and provides that extra space that our customers are going to love. Yeah, and then you, you guys work so hard on the lighting. And even though things are very modern, um, it was interesting to, to hear some of the things like the, the uh, tail lights in the vehicle. 
Um, those Edison tubes, tube lights you can buy from like Home Depot, the, the orange ones with the sort of the curly Edison lights, they were the inspiration for the tail lights. Oh, that's there. cool. And so it's almost like classic, you know, American um, 19, you know, 1800s sort of early electrics were sort of inspired in the taillights. So there's, there's, it's not all about modern history, but it's about evolution as well. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's like adding those, uh, those luxurious touches for you to find in the car that are really special, that kind of merge the, uh, like you were talking about, the Edison bulbs, so like old school electric, with um, combining it with the design of the car and the just how futuristic and techy it is. It's kind of like you got two poles on one end and it's um, merging them seamlessly together to create a special experience. I was reading a really interesting report that said 18% of people that go to electric cars go back uh, to gas vehicles because, um, and except for Tesla, uh, usually because of the range problems. And it, it sounds like, although you only have the WELP numbers from Europe, you don't have the U.S. numbers yet. But if you, if you do a direct translation, I think from the 770 kilometers, which is the... The, the European numbers that you have, a direct translation with that would be somewhere over 450 miles um, on a single charge uh, in the U.S. That, you know, if we, if we get somewhere close to that numbers when the EPA does their numbers, I mean, that's going to be a stellar result for you. Um, it means that a lot of people are not going to be able to have range anxiety, definitely if it's over 400 miles. Uh, which is going to be a great number and a, probably a necessary number for you to get people comfortable, right? Yeah, I mean, with those incredible WLTP figures, we're, we're hoping for a, um, a strong number but w that will be able to communicate closer to our launch in the fall. So um, I think that we can think positively and, and hope, but unfortunately we won't be able to, to have those numbers until the fall. So... Is it August? It gets to hit the road in the in in Europe, and then we get to see it sort of sometime later than that. Um, yeah, well, it'll be landing at dealerships in the fall this year, um, and so we'll be able to uh, start deliveries very soon. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, finding out more about that of uh, pricing and the exact numbers and those sort of things. But uh, it's definitely generated an awful lot of buzz uh, here and uh, now has set the benchmark for a lot of U.S. Um, and other manufacturers to try and meet. And of course, that's the whole S-Class story. You set the benchmark, everybody else runs out and tries to meet it. And uh, then by the time they meet it, you guys will be on to the next benchmark to set for everybody, which I think is a great way to, to do business. Uh, congratulations. I think uh, everybody's very, very impressed. And if you want to see the new uh, EQS, you can go to Our Auto Expert. Uh, we have a nine-minute video up there of the car, a great walk around. And if you haven't already seen it on your local TV station, which we uh, already did. Jim Edwards uh, from Mercedes-Benz, uh, the product manager for the EQS. Thank you for joining us. It's, uh, it's the beginning of a new era when it comes to electricity and uh, getting your ride handled. And of course, the luxury version of that is the Mercedes EQS by Mercedes uh, EQ. It's a very, very nice vehicle. And I, I go check it out because it's different than anything you've seen. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert.
Over 12,000 people have downloaded our Auto Expert podcast and many more have streamed us. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles and this is our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from our Auto Expert. Uh, one of the vehicles that early on when it was released got a huge amount of uh, accolades was the uh, the Mercedes E-Class and it seemed to sort of walk away with um, prize after prize after accolade after accolade um, and then of course there is the regular E-Class from Mercedes-Benz and then there is the AMG versions. Can you guess which one I like the best? Well you're a, a wagon kind of person. Well no just yeah, well. Regular versus AMG. Which oh. We, which, oh. There's no. Oh. Yep. Oh. There's AMG, duh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard one. Um, the AMG numbers are actually pretty impressive. Their, their sales numbers are climbing through the roof, especially in the full uh, in last year or the last quarter, Q4 as we like to call it, or Q1 this year. Uh, numbers are going up and up. Brian Cotter joining us from uh, AMG to talk uh, specifically about the uh, 2021 E53C4, which is one of the vehicles that we had out of the fleet because it's the sexy two-door kind. Um, Brian, this is, who would be the customer to buy the AMG E53 Coupe? Be anybody who could afford it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Brian, who would be the oh, customer? Hi. Hey, Nick. Good to hear from you. Uh, so the customer for this car is someone who, uh, let's say they're a little bit younger than our, our normal E-Class buyer, someone who wants a very stylish car, uh, a car that's quick but still needs an occasional use back seat. So it's still got enough room to, to put a couple people in the back and uh, go out and get dinner or something like that. But it's, it's someone who wants a sporty car, an attractive car, but uh, maybe they're not quite ready for a a, uh, a grown-up car like the E63 sedan. Right. And they'd be a snappy dresser and have great haircut too, right? <laughs> kind of like yourself, right? Oh, wow. Pow! You go to the top of my list. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very... Um, it's it's extremely sexy, but it's also sexy in a minimalist kind of way. And this happened probably about five or six years ago. Maybe not quite that uh, long ago. Maybe less than that. But uh, Mercedes uh, AM or Mercedes in general, but smoothed out a lot of the lines and made their vehicles much simpler, but with style, this sort of minimalist look. Uh, and then AMG, when they get the vehicles to do their special magic with uh, on, in styling, just sort of bolster them up a little bit and make them look just a little bit more masculine. So I love the simplistic lines of the E-Class, but at the same time, that touch of muscular magic that AMG adds with the special grills and wheels, um, it sort of gives it that, I would say, six-pack feeling, you know, where it's a sleek, vehicle but has that muscular twinge to it as well uh, and when i look at the regular e-class uh, especially the coupe sort of style it looks nice but just those amg editions uh, they really really make it stand out and i think i can s almost see the designers working on this vehicle and going we need to just give it a little more of a six-pack or a little more of a, of a muscular look and these are the sharp defined things that they do it so 
looking at it on the on a dealer lot, you can just see that uh, more muscular look, and that that's obviously very specifically done, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, our our chief designer, uh, Dr. Gordon Wagner, uh, he he has said in the past about the E Class Coupe, it, he liked the design, so he took away the hard lines on the side of the car and he still liked it so he took away the rest of the hard lines on the side of the car so the side of the car is very smooth very simple and a very elegant design but as you pointed out uh the amg touches at the front and the rear between the uh the grill that's specific to this 53 model the entire lower front fascia with an aggressive splitter and then the rear with its spoiler and a pretty aggressive diffuser in the back uh, along with the amg wheels it really adds a kind of a macho feel to this car. Um, so from the front and the rear, it looks really aggressive. From the side, you could see, obviously, uh, AMG touches with the, the wheels and the big brakes and whatnot. But the sides of the car themselves, the doors and the fenders, yeah. they're remarkably smooth, a very clean design. Now, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to work out the nomenclature because it's E53, obvious, C4, C is for coupe. Uh, what's the four for? Formatics. That's all. Oh, all wheel drive. Okay. Yeah, I presume that was what it was for, but I was, I was like, oh, so the non-formatic version would be just a C. It, hypothetically, yes. As an okay. AMG, you can only get it as a formatic, but right. if it was like a, in Europe, like an E300 diesel, you could get that as a rear-wheel drive. If it wasn't in a formatic, if it was just a rear-wheel drive, would you be able to drift it? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> the best part of the fact, e, the e wagons, the AMG e wagons. You can drift them. That that would be the only reason for me to buy one. By the way, so that that has the formatic plus system, which it's still all wheel drive, but with a few uh, magic button presses, yes. you're able to completely disconnect the front axle. So it acts as a rear wheel drive car. By the way, that when is, when you say a few fun. magic button presses, I think you actually need a physics degree to uh, <laughs> to actually disengage it because even though Brian Cotter showed me how to do it, I think I had to write it down. It was just so complicated. Press this, hold this for three seconds, put your right finger in your ear. You know, it was like really... Jump was, up and down. Yeah, it was so complicated. <laughs> it was like, pull this three times, push that twice, you know, you know, hit the windshield wiper fluid. It was so hard. I'll never to, forget the first time we ever got to drive well i ever got to drive one i just sat there and i'm like how do i start the car <laughs> <I'm> so embarrassed <laughs> it it is beautiful uh brian tell us the price and availability of the amg e53 coupe yeah sure so the 2021 e53 coupe it starts at 76 250 before destination delivery it's in dealers now um the 2022 model comes out in not too long just a few months um they're basically the same car so if you're looking at one uh, there's no reason to wait. Um, there's there's really no difference between the two model years. It's a really great car. They should be in nearly every dealer around the U.S. Uh, at this time. And uh, hopefully all the listeners go out and take a look at this really neat model. Yeah, uh, the sad thing about there's no changes, I have no other reason to get one now to test drive the 2022, which is even even sadder. Uh, uh, if, if you didn't get it, it's 0 to 60 in 4.3 and uh, 429 horsepower, which is crazy uh, i will say the only thing that i would like to see change on this is there is only four colors in the color palette that aren't uh gray black or white um or silver 
but I'd like to see, you know, a few more colors in that. What because, do you want, orange? No, I don't want crazy color. You wouldn't, you would never buy a Mercedes in a crazy I know, color. Well, they you're the all, one complaining. They were all, they're always very <laughs> respectable colors. Mercedes don't do non-respectable colors. However, um, I'm over gray, black, and white, and silver. I yeah, just, I, I want, I like, too. they do some beautiful sky blues and they, uh, there was a GT at Amelia Island a couple years ago. It was amazing. Anyway, uh, listen, my friend, thank you for joining us. You are amazing, Brian. And, um, we will talk to you very, very soon. All right. Have a great day. That sounds great. Uh, and stand by more Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Mm, catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website. You can do that at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, this show, of course, is locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. So, uh, are you... Are you having fun with uh, with the show so far? Because you produced the whole thing, didn't you? Yeah, are yeah. You, are you? And are I'm you? excited for the next one. It's the Santa Cruz. Oh, it is. It is. It is uh -huh. because because you're a truck girl, Jen. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So recently we were down uh, doing the toy uh, the Hyundai uh, the Hyundai Tucson in Tucson, Arizona. Yes. Which I always think sounds like a French town. Tucson. Tucson. Um, and it was it was interesting. I thought it was you know fun that they got to do it. I, I always wondered why Toyota never did the uh, Toyota Tacoma in Tacoma, in Tacoma, but they've never launched it there. But uh, Hyundai managed to do the Hyundai Tucson in Tucson, Arizona. They Don't they and do that with all their vehicles? They try. Yeah. It's not always possible. Although apparently Kona they're going to launch. Yes, they did the Kona and Kona. And apparently we're doing the Hyundai Santa Cruz in Santa Cruz. But we don't know that yet because the invites haven't gone out. I'm but we did get to see the Hyundai Santa Cruz in in Tucson. <laughs> I'm not getting my towns mixed up. And it was revealed It was revealed while we were there. And I actually got to see the truck. Uh, no, they got to see the not truck. The non-truck. The not truck um, while we were down there. Trevor Lai joining us on the phone to talk about this not truck that uh, Hyundai revealed <laughs> down. Um, if, we, if we call it a truck, do the Hyundai police come and arrest us? That was the question. <laughs> you know, our smart activity vehicle is pretty versatile, so uh, that's going to be the, uh, the nomenclature I'm going to go with today. <laughs> Every, I, I noticed that all the media that weren't there at the event, uh, when they got the press release, they were like, Hyundai reveals a truck. And, and I was sitting with Lori, one of your PR people, she's like, oh, they didn't read the press release. <laughs> it's a sport activity vehicle. Uh, it has a bed, which makes everybody want to call it a truck. But uh, why aren't you calling it a truck? I guess we should ask that question first, Trevor. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, for us, where we designed the Santa Cruz, first and foremost, to be a lifestyle vehicle, right? So lifestyle, you're in the city, you go away on the weekends, you have that duality of, of use. It's got to be nice for the week, but functional and flexible enough for the weekend. So that lifestyle piece uh, becomes first. The fact that it has a bed, uh, to your point, Nick, it just adds that versatility. So this is this is a sort of vehicle that is a is somewhat of a risk for you. Um, you've never played in this segment before. Um, 
you know, you've played in the in the car, the, the sedan segment. Uh, you've played in the hatch segment. You've played in the SUV segment. This is new. This is new. So there's somewhat of a risk attached, but you've never failed in anything you've done at Hyundai. So um, are you confident it's going to be a hit? For us, when we were taking a look at the uh, the research you know, on this six, seven, eight years ago, it's been a long time in planning, right? Um, we saw that there was a, a niche that was completely missing, and that was a, a compact truck that's maneuverable but has some utility for Home Depot trips and things of that nature. So what we set out to do was to attend to that the unmet need, uh, this white space, right? We knew, of course, that traditional uh, pickup buyers um, had their needs already met contractors, um, full-time users of the truck, um, you know, things of that nature. But this is something that's all new, white space. Uh, we set out to uh, see if we could do something with that. There's been a lot of uh, trials and tribulations through the past several years, as you might imagine, but we're really glad that uh, it's the light of day. I will tell you that I think it looks good. I haven't heard anybody, um, you know, moan or complain or say they didn't like it. Um, everybody is intrigued by it. There are several mm -hmm. things in there that people moan about not getting on their trucks. And if the pricing is right, one of the things I always think about these sort of smaller trucks when they come to market is they're all so expensive. I mean, you, you know, just to get into them, it, you might as well almost buy a, a, a full or bigger size truck uh, for the price because you can, you know, invest another five to ten thousand dollars and just get a bigger truck yeah but they're is getting it? so expensive you're well, looking but, at like 70 80 000, yeah but that's you know? if you load them up well, not but, necessarily but you can you know you you buy these smaller trucks that they start at like 35 and you get a decent one it's 42 you know 45 and the bigger trucks start at 42 45 so you know it's it what it becomes is you're sort of pricing yourself out with these vehicles they're not that much cheaper than buying the bigger trucks uh, and that's always been the challenge for a lot of these buyers. Like, you, you know, you get half size of the truck and you don't get half the price, which has always been crazy. Um, and then they're always, a, you know, not that comfortable to drive on road. Um, and so you've obviously you've obviously thought of all that. Um, you know, parking in the city has right. always been a challenge. And um, and I love the fact that there's things in here that you have made for lifestyle so you put the the uh, the roll up cover on the back that's installed already with the strap mm -hmm. so you can just pull that cover closed you know you grab the strap and you pull the cover closed and a dampened tailgate and uh you know a back window that goes uh, well that back window although the one that you showed us in the santa cruz the back window di didn't move but in the production uh, model will it go all the way the whole window will go down on the back well what we have for um the pre-production unit you saw um, that one doesn't have quite necessarily all the features um, yeah. in our uh, in our production unit. We will have a rear sliding glass, uh, which includes glass. the rear defroster built in. Yep, and uh, that'll be available in uh, in most of the Santa Cruz builds. Okay, um, and then it you know it looks like a family member, and the inside. Well, tell us about the inside, Trevor, because that was that was pretty cool. I mean, it was very space agey. It is, and, and you kind of touched on it earlier, right? Why did, why did we reveal Tucson, sorry, Santa Cruz in Tucson? And, and the reality is there are a lot of similarities that we draw from a Tucson uh, for the Santa Cruz. Interior is a big piece of it, right? Uh, particularly the front cockpit module, right? The entire instrument cluster, center stack, for example, that's all shared with our Tucson. And we did that intentionally 
to have a SUV commonality, SUV familiarity, and SUV type of usability uh, on the interior. That's the basis from which we think uh, our buyers will come from, existing CUVs. So to have that type of um, commonality, uh, we thought would be key to the success for Santa Cruz. Very, very modern, very usable interior. Um, it has a 4.3-foot uh, composite molded bed, but it also has a secret trunk under that bed. Well, not that secret, but a trunk. That's right. That trunk is actually lockable. It has two layers of uh, weather stripping around it to keep things in there um, secure from elements. And we also have a couple of drain plugs underneath there as well. Should you decide to put the ice in there, for example, or dirty things, you can easily either clean it out or drain it out as well. Um, and then there's a lot of you know extras, Apple CarPlay, 8-inch uh, eight, eight uh, color screen display on the inside, which was very interesting, sort of a nice piece of flat glass, and you can bump that up to a 10.25 uh, digital gauge cluster. Um, and then right. lots of things like heated side mirrors and eight-way adjustable driver's seat, uh, you know, push to start uh, on, the, on the key fob. Um, and a lot of safety features, uh, including if you get all the way up to the premium level, you can get LED lights and that side of things. So you've really kitted these out. Um, it was interesting to see the color palettes that you had decided for the launch edition. Uh, they were very earth tones. Well, there's one blue, but they were sort of very earthy, sort of campy tones, a camping, sort of camping type vehicles, because you're sort of expecting people to do weekend adventures in this. Right. The, the colors that we have for this are more of the muted variety, right, which seems to be all the popular in-range colors right now. The one that you saw there uh, probably was the stage gray color, we like to call it. Uh, it's pretty much a gray with a tinge of uh, green in it. Um, very, almost a misty gray color, um, if you will. It looks very, very attractive in person. Yeah, and it looks exciting, and I think you guys have done a great job. Lots of angular lines on the side. It looks very masculine, um, very ready for, for an adventure. So when will we find out price, uh, and when will we find out availability? Well, I have more information uh, for everyone. Probably I'm looking at July-ish time frame, July right. into August, somewhere in there. Yep. And ordering, when will we be able to order one? Um, we'll be looking at q or so uh, when they would show up in the dealerships. But if you're interested, uh, we do have a pre-order program going on right now. Just head on over to HyundaiUSA.com. All right. Uh, very interesting vehicle. Two different engine choices. You can get a 2.5-liter turbocharged uh, four-cylinder and then uh, a 2.5-liter uh, turbocharged uh, all-wheel drive version, um, a two-wheel or all-wheel drive. I kind of like the idea of this, and I'm really hoping. Uh, there's four trim levels. Is that right? Uh, we have four trim levels and one package as well. Yep. All right. And what does the package get you? The package, um, I think we'll have more information for you, um, for everyone, actually, at our eventual media event in Santa Cruz, as you mentioned. Yeah. But that one package uh, pertains to a lot of the utility features that we have in the vehicle. All right. And, and the utility items. And the deposit's only $100, right? That's right. Oh, that's not bad. Re fully refundable. I'm mostly impressed with the headlights. Are you? Oh, God. That, that whole front is just so... 
Mad Max looking. Well, that, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's beefy. That's like the it. Hyundai thing is to the, put the indica <laughs> indicators in the daytime running lights to hide them in the grill. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I love it. It's Hyundai magic. Yes, it is. Oh, I oh. think the desert theme helped uh, with the Mad Max <laughs> yes. approach yeah. as well. That's what, that's what it reminds me of. I, I kind of see you in a leather two-piece bikini with a ball and chain in the back, Jen. Wow, thanks. That's Mad Max theme. Oh, God. <laughs> That'll be my Halloween costume yeah. this year. Swinging the ball and chain as yeah. you drive through the desert. There you go. In the back of the Santa Cruz. There you go. You I that? gotta get a Santa Cruz. Do that for Halloween. It might be available by Halloween mm -hmm. too. We could just drive downtown with you doing that. That's great. All right, Trevor. Thank you. <laughs> the, the new Santa Cruz coming this fall. Uh, more Our Auto Expert coming next. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, OurAutoExpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read inside of car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at OurAutoExpert.com. Uh, I came back from Detroit yesterday where I was uh, anchoring uh, live television for the day. Uh, did about 30 TV stations live showing off new cars that you would have seen at the New York Auto Show, a New York International Auto Show, I should have said, if uh, things were on a normal cadence, if it wasn't for the COVID-19 virus. Uh, but New York, of course, is happening in August this year instead of its normal time of year. And so as I arrived back, I grabbed the shuttle to the parking lot to pick up my loner of the week. And one of the vehicles I uh, was picking up was the Mazda CX-9. And I said to the gentleman on the shuttle bus, yeah, I'm picking up a car. And he said, oh, yeah, OK, it's under the canopy. And he drove me to the parking lot, park and fly. And I, uh, I went there to pick up the vehicle. And uh, he, uh, he said, yeah, it's under the canopy there. I um, grabbed the keys. And he goes, that's a really, really nice Mercedes that you're picking up. And I went, uh-huh. It is a very nice Mercedes. Yes, thank you very much. That's funny. Uh, Rocky Bowen joining us. He's the sales manager at uh, Mazda in Olympia. So uh, he, I think they obviously did a really good at designing the, uh, the Mazda CX-9. Uh, Rocky, obviously the guy at the uh, park and fly in uh, Portland, Oregon, thought it was a Mercedes. That was uh, uh, Obviously he thought uh, they'd done a really good job at designing it. It does look kind of uh, like a million dollars, doesn't it, from the outside, especially from the back. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it is a, the fit and finish is as good as it, that's out there in the market. Um, and it's, uh, it's quite the compliment, you know, when, uh, the guy that brings up a car tells you it's a Mercedes Benz. And, uh, yeah, they did a great job. The car overall, the fit and finish, um, styling, uh, the portability, um, the, everything that, that they tailor make it, uh, around for the consumer that's looking for something with some luxury, um, room wise fits the family's needs, but yet fun to drive. And they, 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 they hit a home run with that car. It's, uh, it's, uh, uh sells really well in our market. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's what it's all cracked up to be for sure. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, the CX-9 was rated as one of the best-selling vehicles. Uh, one of the reasons was because they were available. But the other reason I think uh, that, that people were looking for that larger SUV to be able to haul people around in. And think people don't realize that Mazda sinks so much time and energy into the driving dynamics of their vehicles 
that people may not be thinking Mazda a lot of times when they're looking for a vehicle, but once they actually get inside and test drive them, the light kind of turns on because the driving dynamics of Mazdas are just outstanding. Uh, a lot of times people look at them or they don't even look at them. They don't quite get that far, but you get inside one and you drive it and you're like, wow, this is so different to some of the things that I've been test driving, and they really speak to stability on the road, you know, to being able to, to corner uh, without being tossed around from side to side. I even remember back well, many years ago, six or seven years ago, when they had the, the, uh, the Mazda uh, 5, which was that sort of minivan, little minivan that they had. And I remember cornering it really fast around a freeway on-ramp and not being thrown from side to side. They're just just years and years ago, the driving dynamics have always been absolutely outstanding in them, and, and they continue today. And it's the same with the CX-9. It just is so stable on the road, even for a large SUV. Yeah, absolutely. That 2.5 turbo, you know, 250 horsepower and 320 foot-pounds of uh, torque, uh, it, it handles it really well. It's a great combination. Uh, said, uh, I actually just bought one for my wife, um, and uh, we've had the CX-5s and, you know, the good gamuts of what Mazda's offered, and uh, this here takes the cake. This is uh, come home, and it's a grin, and the biggest thing is the handling, uh, you know, road noise. It's quiet. I mean, there's it's, it's, just, it's really premium luxury quality for, for a price point, and we're starting to see people from Mercedes-Benz and uh, other high-end Acura and stuff. They're visiting our showrooms, and, uh, and that's, that's a positive sign with all the accolades that's getting uh, uh, on the Internet. I think the other thing, too, that I've talked to the Mazda guys from Japan several times about this, they're kind of pushing the envelope into the edge of the luxury market. Um, we've noticed that the finishes on the inside and, you know, the, the leather and, and the cross-stitching and the materials and the white, um, all these things just getting more and more into luxury features in a non-luxury brand. They're really pushing the window, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and... and the nice thing is I think when you're looking at maybe some Acura or some of the other products and, you know, that expectation, you know, when they're doing some browsing, consumers are going, well, let's say this is a certain price point. Well, Mazda here rated number one, do this, do this. We're going to at least take a look. And then they get here and they're like, oh, I can save, you know, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 and the car's going to fit my needs and I'm not, I'm not uh, sacrificing quality, you know, dependability, reliability, any of that stuff. So, uh, they, they've done a fantastic job. It's, yeah. It's on the edge of uh, uh, busting at the seams for us, for sure. Yeah, good car. Uh, definitely uh, worth the money in every petty. So let's talk about this. Where are we starting price-wise on this, Rocky? Um, you're going to start at the MSRP is at 33960 um, You know, is is your introductory with the sport package. Um, then you can get into the touring package, which is going to um, be right around that 36000 to Thirty-six seven, and then you can get the uh, touring with the premium package, which gives you all a lot of bells and whistles, sunroof, leather, all, everything that you would need. Um, that's a that's a great price point for right at that thirty-nine thousand dollar figure. And then the carbon edition uh, has got an MSRP of forty-one thousand eighty dollars, uh, and that I'll tell you that that combination you can get it with uh, interior red or black. Um, it looks fantastic, um, and so uh, then you get up into the GTs and stuff where there's Forty-five, forty-six thousand dollars. A lot of, lot of, lot of value for the money. Which is funny. Which is, you know, forty-six thousand dollars is where some of the other car, the SUVs of that size, start. 
which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's where, yeah. that's where Mazda tops off. Uh, if you're interested in test driving the Mazda CX-9, I would go do it. Uh, you can always uh, ask for, for Rocky uh, at Olympia Mazda or go to your local Mazda dealership. I am in big favor of these vehicles because I've enjoyed driving it very much. Uh, Mazda, of course, making some very reliable. And you've got to drive it before you uh, just decide to, uh, to not to buy a Mazda because the drive is 90% of why you should buy a Mazda. They are absolutely delicious to test drive. Uh, Rocky Bowen from, as a sales manager from Olympia, uh, the Mazda dealership in Olympia. Absolutely fantastic vehicle and I've enjoyed every moment with it. Stand by, Anton Warman is next. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us and ask us a car question. Just direct messengers at our Auto Expert on any of your social media platforms. It's where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. And uh, somebody just did that, by the way. They were being told that they uh, they wanted to buy a Lincoln um, Aviator, and they wanted to tow it behind their uh, RV. And the salesperson was telling them, yes, you could buy it. It'll just void the warranty, but you can buy it and tow it behind your RV. No, you cannot. That's the sort of question that we can answer for you. There is a list of vehicles that you can tow behind your RVs. That is not one of the approved vehicles to do it. And voiding a warranty is a bad idea because then if things go wrong with the vehicle, you cannot take it in under warranty and have it repaired as you voided your warranty. Uh, any of the warranty items that failed are now no longer repairable with the company or the dealership. So, bad idea. Explain that to them, that voiding a warranty is a bad idea, despite what the salesperson had told them. And Lincoln will back that up with you and tell you, no, do not void your warranty. So I sent them a list of the approved vehicles and the ones that I recommended. And they turned around to me and said, thank you. You just saved us a lot of money. And they went and bought one of the approved vehicles, which was approved for time behind your RV, which happened to be a Jeep Wrangler, which I would always tell people is a great vehicle for an adventure. There we go. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor. Uh, he, you can read majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha and the Street. And we'll get straight to what's going on in the automotive industry. Did Tesla uh, not provide any information at all about the Cybertruck? That's right. In their recent financial results call on Monday, the 26th of April, uh, they did not provide anything apart from a hint of what was going on with the Cybertruck. So, Anton, why? Why are we void of Cybertruck information? Well, the way it goes, Nick, with uh, Tesla usually is that if there is any faintest, foggiest, furtherest hope of anything positive that could be said about any subject, they will not be shy about saying it. However, in this case, uh, they only, I think, nearly mentioned the fact that we knew already that at some day in the nondescript future, the Cybertruck will indeed be made in their new uh, factory in Austin, Texas, which is under construction as we speak. The company had previously promised, of course, that the Cybertruck would be delivered by the end of this year. And uh, as we have seen in the past, sometimes Tesla is a little bit late. I take this to mean what we kind of almost knew anyway, that the probability that Tesla would have a fully tested Cybertruck in volume production by the end of this year uh, is uh, perhaps a little bit on the optimistic side. So 
the factory cannot produce them until the factory is completed. And what's that date likely to be? Well, they say the factory will be complete uh, before the end of this year. And um, if, if there's something that Tesla has shown that it's uh, capable of doing extremely well, it is to build these factories extremely quickly, get them permitted quickly, get the government red tape out of the way, not having to go through all of these various uh, you know, environmental reviews and other permits and so forth that tend can tend to drag a factory construction, uh, you know, years and years on the long bench. Um, so clearly the factory is going to come up here in record time, but you still have to develop the actual vehicle and to test it, test it for longevity and durability. And that's why we have seen the precious little, really, Nick. We, uh, we're not really seeing a bunch of uh, Cybertrucks being driven around. But there have, I mean, there have been some on the roads, right, in, in around Austin, or well, people have seen the odd Cybertruck here or there. Yeah, we have seen a couple of them, uh, you know, parked at the kind of a showing for employees. We obviously have that had that very first uh, concept vehicle from uh, November 2017 or whatever it was uh, a couple of years ago. And um, but in terms of actual, you know, vehicles that are being driven around, being tested hard, you know, whether it's a truck or not, you have to drive these things hard and you drive them in where there's dust, cold weather, hot weather, off road, on road. You got to tow with them. We haven't seen the Cybertruck in those types of situations. We've seen Cybertrucks standing in a sitting still in a parking lot with a few employees looking around and seeing, wow, how cool is that? But that's not the same as testing. But the Rivian trucks we've seen out being tested, they're about a year late with delivery of those, but we're expecting those anytime soon, right? Yeah, we're expecting those within the year. And uh, I have personally witnessed uh, not one, not two, but uh, several of them being driven around in multiple geographies. And uh, they have a little bit of a camouflage on them. They're painted in these uh, fancy patterns, but there's no body cladding or anything like that. You can clearly see it's a Rivian. You see the lights that are, you know, they're distinguished uh, for being a Rivian. So, and they are, so clearly they are doing the work as we speak in the real uh, world, hardcore durability testing. So pictures leaking out yesterday, or not necessarily leaking out, some of the Ford employees now putting pictures out of uh, a unknown vehicle, and uh, that information with information leaking out that the new F-150 electric is going to be called the Lightning, and those two pieces of information being put together, and now everyone's saying this is going to be, this is what the front of the new F-150 electric is going to look like, and it's going to be called the Lightning, um, several uh, major publications putting those two pieces of information together. Um, it looks like the cat's out of the bag, and this vehicle coming, they're saying soon, um, going to be announced soon. Uh, credible information? I believe it is, Nick. Uh, I think if you go back and look into how Ford had originally planned their first uh, electric, all-electric uh, full-size pickup truck, I think it, they had one that was going to come out around mid-decade, maybe 2025 or so. And at some point, a little over two years ago, they decided, look, we have to take essentially the existing uh, 20, uh, the existing F-150 that would come out in the fall of 2020 and make a version of that into an all-electric one. So I think it is one that is really heavily based on, at its core foundation on the fundamental architecture of an existing F-150. And 
So I'm sort of a little worried just a tiny bit that in terms of optimizing it for uh, being able to fit the most amount of battery capacity, which in turn would help with both weight and with, uh, with the range, that it may not be quite as competitive as some of the other competitors. But we know it's a Ford. We know it's an F-150. So when it comes to things like testing and durability, I have every bit of confidence that this is going to be a rock-solid product. And you know, Nick, that there are many workers that you know drive not that long distances they they are handymen of various sorts and they go to job sites in the neighborhood where they may only drive you know 50 or 100 miles not even that in a day but they need the day where an all-electric truck could be rather suitable for a variety of reasons so uh, i do think ford will be somewhat successful with this and uh, I have every indication and belief that it will be out here pretty soon. So I think they're going to go into production of this thing by the end of the year and have deliveries happening possibly as as early as or even earlier than the Tesla Cybertruck. Do you uh, do you think what what do you think is a minimum battery range they're going to have to put in this vehicle to make it uh, feasible? Well, you know, the thing is that uh, journalists love to uh, uh, basically set unrealistic demands and believe that it's a one-size-fits-all, and if it's not the biggest number, it's not worth a number worth having at all. So my guess is that they are not going to eke out anything more than a, about 200 miles at the most from this thing uh, in terms of range. Uh, but then people are going to say, oh, my God, that's not so good because some of the other trucks are going to have 300 miles or more but you know there is a market for a 200 or even 150 mile full-size all-electric pickup truck too it's just that it is not the same customer i mean some customers want a truck they're going to be driving across the fruited plains and up into the mountains for some sort of leisure event uh, you know tenting among the mosquitoes in the middle i mean i personally prefer the four seasons or the ritz carlton but there are some people who love their you know crawling around with the uh bats and uh, snakes yeah. and mosquitoes somewhere and those people want a very very long range because they're going to be out there in the wilderness but i view the ford truck as being somebody that is more focused on like the contractor the carpenter the whomever yeah. they're driving 10 20 30 miles a day to the job site and for them it could be actually a wonderful solution right uh there's sort of this competition between general motors and ford who can get the first vehicle out before the end of the year right yeah, I mean, look, I think the GMC Hummer is a very different product than the Ford. The GMC Hummer is a slightly more expensive product. It's definitely going to have more battery capacity and a lot higher range. So the two companies are going to emphasize different points. I mean, the Ford, I think, they're going to emphasize, look, this one is really for uh, the carpenter and the handyman and the uh, contractor. And uh, GM will say, look, this is for the per- this is for our Arnold Schwarzenegger with a with a cigar in his mouth. This is this is something you want to show off. And so I think these are yeah. two different products. Both of them, I think, will be very very good. I think they'll just be focusing on two very different segments of the marketplace. Absolutely. Anton Warman, he's an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at the street and seeking alpha. Probably the most knowledgeable person about the industry when it comes to uh, self-driving vehicles, the business side of autonomy, and of course, electric vehicles. And please do go read his stuff because there's very few 
people in the world that have such an inside view of what goes on in the business side of everything. You can, of course, see all of our videos at OurAutoExpert.com. The background to all of this stuff is there. And, of course, if you enjoy listening to Anton, you can listen to all of our podcasts. He's in uh, pretty much 100% of all of our shows. Those are available at OurAutoExpert.com. If you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you can listen to the over 140 shows that are available there and go back over some of the interesting insider stories that you'll find out about the auto industry and, of course, those new car deliveries uh, that come up and talking to the people behind them that design them and also that talk about how vehicles actually get onto the road as well. It's uh, very fascinating to hear how the car goes from concept to delivery. Uh, Anton Warman's stuff is there. Thank you, Anton, for joining us. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. Stand by. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 12,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast and many more streamers uh, join the happy listeners via the Pandora app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles. This is Our Auto Expert radio show where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Uh, if you had watched the Apple announcement of all their new products coming, one of the things they announced was the Apple AirTag. It can be used for stolen cars. Apparently, people have been trying this out. Everyone has obviously sat on their couch and wondered where their car keys are or their wallet. And you know, April 20th, they announced this sort of Bluetooth-enabled device called the AirTag that seeks to take the worry out of such situations. And there's been a lot of things that do this over time, you know, Tile and, you know, Find My Phone obviously has been available for, for a while. It's a $29 uh, application, but could it be used like the LoJack system and keep track of your car? Uh, that's an interesting question that was posed to the team at Cars Direct. And, Obviously, it's uh, caught everybody else's attention to see if the issue is actually usable. The small AirTag device, could it be slipped uh, you know, into just about anything and used, uh, it basically uses a standard battery um, to power it, and then you could use Bluetooth or uh, the Apple device uh, to try and find it. It only works on very short distances for a lot of things. So uh, you know, if the car leaves the driveway, would you be able to see it uh, head out. Well, that's a very interesting thing because a lot of times does it use your car's system? Um, so I'm going to actually go get one and see if I can and find it. Um, use use it that way to see if I can find my car. What? So you have to go find them to use them to see if you can find things. No, I'm going to go get one. Order <laughs> one. I have to order one. To order one. I want to know if you can track it. That'd be interesting. I wonder if it use other Bluetooth signals to lock into it and find it that way. You know who you might be able to ask? Miriam yeah. Jawar. She might yeah. be able to help you with that. It's just an interesting idea. Yeah, it is. People are trying it out right now. It's interesting for the price of cars. I'm not sure how this is going to affect it, but you know Biden announced uh, the other day that officially uh, Uber and Lyft drivers were employees. And, of course, Uber and Lyft stocks went boom, 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 boom. They crashed. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that now Uber and Lyft are doomed? Does that mean that uh, they'll go away because now they've named them employees? There's just no way financially for them to exist. 
if they have to pay unemployment and if they have to pay insurance and all the things that employees have to pay. So uh, um, the model has to change, obviously. What does that actually mean for them? If it means they have to go away, does that mean cabs are back in fashion? Um, and if they have to go away, does that mean all the people that used Uber and Lyfts now have to find another way of transport, public transport, taxis, you know, regular cab services? Uh, do they have to buy a car? Do car That's sales go up? You know, How are they so going to handle the, the individual cars? You know, what happens now? Mm, it's interesting. Dynamics. Interesting. Car sales go up? I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic. There's just a lot. And, and maybe nothing happens. Maybe he says they're employees, but nothing happens. You know. Uh, despite the pandemic, car companies are announcing incredible sales numbers. Uh, the Toyota Motor Corporation said Wednesday its global sales in March surged 44.2% for the year. Uh, earlier, the record was 982,912 vehicles sold uh, in, uh, in the U.S. and China markets. And it's showing a sharp rebound from the initial fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. Toyota's global sales output rose from uh, seventh for the seventh straight month on the year-to-year -year basis as manufacturing was up. Uh, that is incredible. In March was up 31.6%. The pace of Toyota's recovery has been faster uh, than its rivals with global sales in the first three months of 2021, up 19% from the previous year, much higher than its target of 10%. A stronger demand for support. Um, and I will tell you, the hybrids are really going crazy. I think Toyota actually don't get enough um, support for their green cars. And I don't know if you saw the BZ... Uh, 4X, which was their concept electric, battery electric vehicle. Toyota will be carbon neutral in the production of their vehicles by 2050. All their vehicles will be carbon neutral production. So that means the factories will do zero uh, carbon mm -hmm. by 2050. By 2025, they will have 70 electrified vehicles. That's hydrogen, um, ele um, el a battery, electric, and plug-in. And by in the next few years, they will have 15 BEV vehicles coming out. Hmm. That's 15 in the next few years. They have a lot. And the BZ, which means beyond zero, uh, will be the first. BZ4X. And I think we think that's X. 4X means four-wheel drive. And X means every wheel gets four-wheel drive. We think maybe it has a motor in each wheel. Hmm. We're thinking that's what it is. So I don't know. The other story that actually caught my eye, and I don't know if you've seen this, uh, one in five vehicle owners, roughly 20% of vehicle owners who own electric cars in California is replacing their cars with a gas one, a new study shows. The main reasons that drivers made the switch was inconvenience of charging. A finding that, uh, the finding suggests that new challenges face the growth of uh, the electric car market in California. Roughly three minutes uh, to fill up your gas tank, uh, whereas... Uh, other people are having a really hard time finding chargers to plug in their, their vehicles or plug in their household is, you know, plugging in vehicles at their household is really difficult. Um, so people love the idea of electric, but they're not finding places at home to plug in the electric car. And they're, they're finding it hard to find a level two charger, just a lack of chargers available. So uh, we've already outgrown our chargers. The only people that are not in that base, in that number, Tesla owners, because they have dedicated chargers. 
mm. which is very interesting. So uh, the new study shows that we need to get more charges for people, otherwise they're going to be vacating. Mop, 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 mop. Electric, good idea, but California, need to get your electric uh, charging systems in line because otherwise people are, like, not finding enough charges. Uh, if you live in other places apart from California, you probably have plenty of charges, but it's that's a thing. That And that's another reason to be able to put a charger in your home, which I have now, um, and charge your vehicle up. That's why I think a plug-in hybrid is the way to go. Maybe I shouldn't buy my Ford GT Mach-E GT. What do you think? Well, you already have the Bronco. What else do you have? You have, like like I said... No, like I was going to sell my Lexus and buy a Ford Mach-E GT. I have it on order. What do you think? Yeah, you had both of them. You had the first edition and then you sold that, right? Yeah, and okay. I have the Bronco now. I have a Ford Mach-E GT. They say um, buy it, use it, see if you like it. If you don't, then sell it. All right. Thank you for the advice, truck girl, Jean. <laughs> well, you might as well give it a shot, you know. You if bought you like, it, you might as well go play with it. <laughs> if, you like, if you like the show, uh, listen to plenty of episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. Also, uh, you can watch us do the live TV from Detroit last week. Uh, it's all up there on the website. It's delicious. You can see all the TV stations we had, or just a handful. We don't put them all up because you'd be really bored. It would be 30 TV stations of the same thing. And, of course, previous episodes of the show on the podcast, plus all the videos of the new cars that we do. And you can listen to Jen over and over again. Try not to throw up on the show. Thanks. There's more <laughs> right there at ourautoexpert.com. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ourautoexpert. And message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.